Okay. Um, also, um, okay, then I'll also like, um, what's your policy on swearing? <laughs> Feel free. I think this is How? for adults. Okay. Feel free. Just because um, I don't want to maybe just because uh, I'm just comfortability. When I'm comfortable, I swear a little bit. So be comfortable. Let's fucking swear. Yes. <laughs> All right, man. Well, shit, you're listening to Geekdom in the Powers. <laughs> Welcome back. My name is Guy Hassan, and this is Geekdom in Powers. Unfortunately, that was all the cursing in this episode. Etubi warned me he was going to curse, but ended up not cursing at all. And I just couldn't resist putting a curse in the regular intro, replacing the regular intro just for fun. So, back to our regularly scheduled program. Geekdom Empowers is the podcast that creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of the geeks around the world. Each person is a story, and together, is what I'm trying to say here, is we are one story, one quilt of geeks and nerds. And we are doing this across the world, across different fandoms, different types of art and creators and so on. And as you will see in the upcoming episodes, we are slowly expanding past uh, the things we have done so far. But today, today's guest is Atubi Unuchayo, a fantastic Nigerian artist and the artist and writer behind the Mumu Juju comic. Uh, which you can find at Kugali.com. We had Kugali's founders here, by the way, in a previous episode. As we follow different paths of different people on Geekdom in Pals, this is a different path, which eventually gets the artist to do and create the stuff uh, he likes to walk on and tries to constantly improve. So let's listen to a Tubi's story without cursing. How'd you get onto my work? Because it's so random for me, somebody from Israel. Well, yeah, I'm so I have a podcast about geeks all around the world, not just uh, you yeah, know, yeah. from the English speaking world. Uh, uh, basically, I'm trying to build like a mosaic of geeks which are not usually highlighted. So I have, uh, you know, artists, uh, comic book artists, comic book creators. Uh, the you know uh, translators, publishers, um, uh, cosplayers, and a lot of things which are still planned. Uh, by the way, so I spoke. I found you because uh, I spoke to the founders of Kugali, and they were one of uh, the first episodes. Uh, and then through Kugali, I found um, your uh, your comic book. Uh, okay. And, and from there, I thought, wow, that is interesting. So I think there's a story behind that. So there must be oh. a story behind the person doing it. And, <laughs> so, and by the way, I also talked, for example, uh, Juni Ba. Uh, also oh, man, I love, I love Juni's stuff. I love Juni's stuff. His, uh, his style is very bubbly. Yes, he's I love he's amazing. I tell him all that. I try my best to tell him as much as I can, even though because we've never met physically. But yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of his work. Me too. He does amazing stuff. Uh, and I think he knows it because, you know, he's got, his story is like he, he posted one thing and then half an hour later, tons of people suddenly saw it, including very famous people. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very unique uh, story. So basically what I want to follow is your path. So... Can you tell a little bit about like your childhood, how you got into comic books, and maybe some of the things which appear in the comic books appeared in the childhood also? I, but it's funny, like I don't know, we'll get to that. Like funny enough, I don't do comics anymore, like professionally. Okay. Like, a lot of my comics are like um, the last time I did comics like full time was twenty nineteen. Okay. So but let's then, start with like, the end. Uh, so what do you it's, do today? It's just like I did so much work. Yeah, like uh, I did so much work that like even up to now I'm still getting like um, stuff about uh, messages about like the comics I worked on. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, 
uh, when I was, it's, I don't know, man, my family is very, especially for, for, Afri for Africans, art is not like a, a pursued career. They don't really like um, push their kids to do art and whatnot. But then my family was very supportive. My family, we have, there are a lot of artists in my family and also like my mom's an actor. Mm. But then, um, uh, so like the family is very, like they, once they also like, um, saw that like, oh, you seem like you're good at this. And um, it's not if your math scores are bad, but you might as well just do something that is easy for you. Might as well just do something that's easy for you. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's see where this goes. And um, Wait, yeah. I, I, I want to, I want to uh, expand on that because okay. from Nigeria, right? Uh, that's yeah. And, you know, I come not from Nigeria, but a uh, family, uh, on the one hand, we had, you know, you have to get a serious job when you grow up. You can't be uh, the grandparents. That's uh, some of the grandparents, that was their thing. Uh, and I had to write. And my parents, thankfully, really appreciated uh, my talent and wanted me to, like, did you disappear? No. Uh, wanted me to, to do whatever I wanted. But I know that is a really tough, uh, road when the society itself doesn't want you to do something and you came right. from a family of artists and like your mother was an actress uh, yeah. can you t talk a, bit, a little bit about how the mentality is uh, is different in a house of artists like what was it like what did the outside pressures versus the inside pressure? I don't know I think it's just um, people were aware of stuff like this because um, my even though my dad is not my dad is not uh, any in any way art inclined he's um, he he's more of a he's more of a agri person like he does um, farms and stuff so it's he's he's more practical so even for him to even be supportive enough to say um, yeah go and do this was a big deal for me because I have a lot of friends that their dads almost cut them off just because they said they wanted to... Yes, that happens a lot. So, yeah. Why, why was it different? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think my mom is just... Um, just I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I really can't understand it because it's just so... It was when I started hearing stories about like people that were having tough times with their families and stuff, I was like, wow, I'm pretty lucky. I'm pretty lucky I don't have to deal with any sort of that. Because my mom... Would um, I? She would always like. She would just like um, let me see stuff. My sisters, my sister, my sister um, yeah. is an architect, so she drew as well. Yeah. So seeing her draw and everything, um, and then my one of my older brothers again. He 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 doesn't he doesn't draw anymore. But seeing his drawings when I was smaller was like oh wow um, yeah I like this I really like this and he did this thing where he would always like make small comics for me, and. I would redraw these comics over and over again just just because I really liked uh, I really enjoyed his drawings. So it was it was just um, it was just something I did on the side basically. But then I always knew like I it was something I enjoyed. But then when it was time for me to choose a career, everybody was like, "Bro, you might as well." You know, we have this family has you know we have like I don't know, um, most of, some of my a lot of my uncles are painters, actual painters. So it was just like. Try and look. We see. Let's see. Let's see what you can do. Okay. Good. And from what age yeah. were you drawing? Like, uh, from what age oh, did you feel? Like kids. Now we were. I was like, um, as far as I can remember, when I started like redrawing, maybe like uh, around five. I would even, <laughs> if they left books around the house, if they left books around the house, mm -hmm. that had ex a, a, extra pages. I would just draw in them. I would just draw in them. I wouldn't care whose book it yeah. was. And so you could just find your book with like a, it's a very shitty drawing of a Dragon Ball Z character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay, now I'm ready to move on. So they said, uh, try this. And then what happened? Um, then I, uh, my dad uh, went, to, I went to art school in... Um, then what do you may call it? I went to art school. There's this place in Nigeria called Enugu, the Enugu State. I went to the university. There's a, it's one of the, my dad called one of the last art schools in Nigeria. So mm -hmm. he said, if I'm going to 
go to school, I might as well go to a good art school, like one of the good, the good ones that left in Nigeria. Because he had a lot of problems with the other ones. He had a lot of problems with the other ones that they, you know, just, let's just call it politics. The politics got into the running of the school. And so the art system got a bit, um, got, got a bit off. But then he said, when, okay, you, say, when then, you say politics got into it, do you mean, um, do you mean that, you know, someone from, from up high said you can't do anything like this that's against the current uh, regime. No, no, the art schools oh. are still there. The art schools okay. are still there, but then it's just the way they are being run now in a way where it's, it's, I, it's just, I, I don't know what to, I will say. Um, it's going to be, it, it's very tribalistic. Like, it's just like, oh, they said, oh, our people, only our people can go here. You know, this kind of thing, this priority of the people that come from the States that are being allowed into the, and the depending on, it doesn't matter what, what they get in the tests or exams to get in, mm-hmm. they will always be preferred. So even if you are flying colors with all your merits, it'll be harder for you to prove your merit to, to get into those schools. Okay. Whereas the school I went to, they were more accepting of anybody from anywhere. In fact, most of, some of my really good friends that I met there are still, they were from different parts of the country. So it was just a, a good melting pot. I met a lot of cool people. Yeah. And um, we, 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 we decided to like, you know, take this actually really serious. Because even people in my school, there are a lot of people that were in my class and everything, they don't draw anymore. They don't care about like um, what art means or not. They're out there pursuing a different career entirely. So, so it was a more equal opportunity uh, kind of school. Like they just let people based in on talent and not based on where they come from. Yeah, if you could get in, you could get in. Like, yeah. the, that's the way it felt because, honestly, um, I, I was living in the north and the school is in the east of, uh, mm-hmm. of the country. So it was like, um, thanks, guys. <laughs> did people go, like new students, did they come in thinking, you know, we can make a real career being artists or did they just have to do their own art? Um. It was it's a mix, so the mixed bag because yeah. there were people that came in and they really wanted to make art a career. So those you would you would know those people that were serious. There were those people that came in and it seemed like it was uh, more or less just you know this is what I could get. This is what I could get. Um, this is what they let me come. This is what they let me to come in to study. And there were some people that just came to like you know what um, school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is let's just do school. Okay, and how how were you there? How did you feel with the school? Oh, my school was, um, the school itself. I don't know, man. I don't want to talk back about my uh, mm. alma mater, but <laughs> uh, man, it was really it was a strange. It was just uh, it was just a strange experience. But then, what I love about the school was just the people I met, like the the friends I made, the people that you know, even just about like artists in general. The reception I received in the place was absolutely crazy. Like, I tell the story of how, like, I never paid a day of rent in the school, like, and I never slept in the hostels. Like, I was in some professor's house from my first coming into the school. I was in some professor's house till the day I left. Wow. And it was just crazy for me because when I realized that's part of the luck I was talking about, like, how, um, so I just go to this place I've never been to in my life. And here I am in this man's house for free being fed. And, uh, you know, so it was, it's really good. Like, and then obviously my artist friends now, like, they're, man, <laughs> I can't talk enough about those dudes because they're doing phenomenal work and I'm glad to have been in the class with them as well. Sure. Wow, okay. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so then uh, what is the next stage? Then, I started like really doing professionally. I started working professionally. Like um, even in school, we realized that we could make some sort of money from our stuff early on. So I was in like my third year because my course was four years. My course was supposed to be four years. I, but I had like, um, I think two extra years in my course. Just like I failed a few courses and then um, I had to, and then I had some administrative issues. This was the problem I was talking about with um, like why I said that the school wasn't so, you know, so nice to me, mm-hmm. but, um, um, so we, but then this, let's say our second year, we start hearing of this stuff they call the, 
our industrial placement. So it's like um, you go for, it's like an internship. You go for a while, you go for like, um, I think a semester or two and you, you work somewhere, you, you come back. So it's like, we had like a plan to work in, to actually work outside. But us before that, we already knew what we wanted to do. We wanted to be digital artists. We wanted to make comics. Not really make comics per se, but we wanted to, we wanted to draw and if we found out that like, oh, you can draw your computer. I was like, okay, guys, might as well do this than buy paints. And so like, um, we just like, so this me and these my friends, there's Mohammed, Harrison, Iface Nachi and BJ. We just like, um, we just formed this like really tight knit click. <laughs> No, and we just um, try to grow together. We would, I will see what Mohammed is doing. I'm like, I'm do that. I will see what um, BJ is working. I'm like, oh wow, okay. Um, I'll I'll try that as well. So we'd always like share ideas. You know, we had people we looked up to together. And at some point in our uh, early art lives, all our art looked the same because we were all pursuing the same people. We were all looking at the same um, senpais. So. <laughs> We just kept, um, and we then, just grew together. And then and you found your own the work uh, itself. And then you found yeah. your own style and uniqueness. Yeah, everybody split off. And so funny, from everybody wanting to do comics, everybody split off. Um, Harrison does strictly backgrounds, like from comics that he does background for animations. Um, if he's not, he's a crazy ass storyboard artist, phenomenal. That's another story for another day. Mohammed, I don't know what to call Mohammed because he's he's what I would like to call a chameleon. He just does whatever he wants. Mm. He just does whatever he wants. And he, he does this thing where he just finds somebody he really likes. And then he tries to learn everything he can about the style and why he does things and the decisions the artist makes. And then next thing you see is Mohammed is, is making, he's making practical copies of this person. And then later on, he takes whatever he learned and into his own stuff. So he, he's, um, Ahmed is a, is a madman. And then BJ does this really stylized stuff. Now he just left, um, he does like really stylized animated stuff. And obviously I, I am making um, arts about feelings now. <laughs> what does that mean, arts about feelings? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more into, I'm making more surrealist stuff. I'm making like, um, very surrealist arts. I don't know if you've seen like my recent stuff that after yes. I left comics, I started making, um, I started making like a bunch of, um, I just started making random arts just to test out like what I really liked and stuff. And then I got stuck up on like really dreams. I got stuck up on dreams and making surrealist art. And, um, mm. that's where I have been since. And, and uh, I, make, um, I make, also make covers for, I've been, most of my, my famous work is for covers I've made for artists, but um, me personally, I would just say I'm a surrealist artist because that's what I do. Okay. That's what people come to me for. They want my style that is a bit surrealist. So, so uh, let's skip over comics for a second and then come back to them. So why exactly did you leave comics? Like you said it was too... It was too much. Uh... And it was tough. It was tough because I was doing, um, I wasn't asking, I would say the fault is mine because I wasn't asking what I was do. I wasn't yeah. asking to pay what I was worth. And then I suffered a lot. I burnt out and I burnt out really bad because I just, I just couldn't work on comics anymore. I could draw. I could, it wasn't like I was burnt out on art in general, but I was really burnt out on the media that I couldn't, I didn't want to work on art anymore. I just, I didn't want to work on comics anymore. Any idea of just, you know, panels. If I just saw panels, I would just be like, damn it. <laughs> and um, so I just, I just slowly but surely started cutting off all my work that was, um, that was comic based. And then so, um, what do you may call it? Mumuji just suffered based on that because it was my baby. And then I just said, you know what? scene is unfortunate that like the medium I chose to tell the story in has been uh, I have suffered so much from the this thing and I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do the work anymore so I had to I had to yeah. give it I had to just let it rest and I hoped that I would get the ginger to go back to it but um, the way I was feeling at the time and up to now is just let's let that rest 
Okay. I think because obviously I had to make I had to make money, so it was more or less like, oh, bro, um, <laughs> you can't keep working this hard and then not be uh, this thing. So I rather than you know ask these people for more money, I chose to drop it entirely and look at something as look at something new, look at a new endeavor instead of um, you know finding a way you know to make it work within where I was. I understand. So when I, I assume your first worry was about also making a living after you quit comics, right? So how did you, did you know you would be okay? Did you know you had to take, uh, you know, what did you have a plan? Uh, um, I was, you know, I was still, I was still staying with my dad. I was still staying with my dad and um, I was still staying with my dad. So it was, I was sort of cushioned in a way yeah. that I didn't know about like real life problems. So I would ask, I would take jobs. I would, you know, I was still working like best 10 hours a day and whatnot, which is not good, but I was doing it. Like I would work out, I would work as many hours as I could. Um, so I had a little question where my dad was, you know, I was in my dad's place, there's food, there's lights, there's internet, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of worries. Then I had to, uh, when I moved out of my dad's place, you know, life hits you hard and you're like, bro, maybe, you know, there's passion, you, there's passion in your work, but um, let's face some funding too. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I've seen, I've seen your art on art station. It's very impressive. Like this is the stuff you're doing now, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The... I don't know. Uh, I don't know where you're looking at. I don't know where you're looking art. at. I'm you said, looking at art station. Art oh, my art station. Yeah, I need to. I'm such a terrible person. I need to. Up, I need to update my portfolio. My I need to update my portfolio because there's stuff on my Instagram that's not there and mm. is still good work. But it's just um, you know, it's easier to upload on stuff that don't ask you too much questions. But then for art station, obviously, it's because it's a curated portfolio of some sort. Mm -hmm. I have to, uh, you know, make sure it's done properly. But then it's still fine. I'll get it. I'll get it done. All right, good. And so I, I do now want to go back to the, the part about the comic books. So how did that begin? Like, uh, was uh, Mumu Juju your first one? No, Mumu Juju came later on. It was, so Mumu Juju came to me. I, you know, I stopped off. I told you we started working early. Um, so during the... During the IT, the, in, the industrial placement um, program, I got a chance to work with um, in, a, in, a, in a somewhat animated animation studio. Mm. But even though I didn't work on any animation per se, we were doing some other side projects that um, needed, needed coloring and um, illustrations. So that's that what we were working on mainly. While working on that, the idea of Mujiju came to me. But before that, I was already, um, I, I, we started posting our stuff on Facebook and we were getting these messages from people that wanted comics done. And then we just started like pushing from that, from that point. Like we just, we put our stuff online and then we started getting messages and we just tried to make it professional. Interesting. And how did you find Kugali? How did Kugali find you? Kugali, Kugali found me. <laughs> They messaged me uh, randomly. I was, we, I was on. They messaged me randomly talking about how they like my stuff and whatnot, and uh, they asked me to be on the podcast with them and uh, the relationship. So after the podcast, we kept talking and we um, we just um, decided to do something together because before um, I actually did work with them. Before I actually did work with them, I had my I had Mujuju under some other people called Vortex, and then. Um, just, uh, you know, wanting the same issue. I wanted so much more. And I felt like uh, rather than, you know, trying to make it work with this people, like my same pattern, rather than trying to make it work with somebody, I was like, okay, you know what? No, Allah, let's, let's keep moving. I would always just, my, my philosophy was always, you know, just drop it and go, go somewhere else. All right. Can you tell people what uh, Mumu is about? Mumu Juju, well... Is it started off as I wanted it to be just like a fun, a fun tale of um, 
people just I wanted I wanted to just be random adventures. I just finished reading um this comic, Skull Kickers. I don't know if you've seen it. No. It's um if you see it, you would know that I am criminal because I just took uh, <laughs> wait, I just I just took whatever uh, Edwin Hang was drawing at that time. That's the name of the dude that was working on it. His name is uh, awesome. Edwin Hang. He he just phenomenal line work, man. I love his work. Colors too, but his line work, my goodness. When I found that he draws traditionally and scans his stuff, it blew my mind. Because his 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 the way he goes about line weights is crazy to me. It's so clean. And then he tells he did it, he did it on paper. And it's like, Chairman, you must be a criminal too. <laughs> and yeah, so I just took that. I wanted to make it like African. I took that idea and wanted to make it African. And then um so he all I did was make the make uh the same idea, it was basically the same idea. These bounty hunters are going on this journey, just random adventures and uh trying to slay monsters. But then my own idea was that it was more of a depth. They had a debt to a deity, and this deity was the one that um, kept sending them on these on these trips. And these, but the deity obviously wanted to double cross them, so he kept finding ways to to trick them in to keep doing work for him. So they would, you know, they would get an object, and then uh, you know he would set some traps with his powers and whatnot or anything, just to, or just even logic, you know, like um, legal issues, like he would say, "Oh, our agreement says that," and uh, stuff like that, just to keep them on this adventure. So it was just supposed to be like random adventures like that, just like um, one-offs, but. Eventually, I wanted to tell a story in the sense I was like, oh, um, I started getting this idea of like relationships, like how what relationships meant to me and um, how I would, I would want it portrayed, how I would want relationships portrayed. And I started, um, I just fixated on that idea of like, oh, characters in pairs. So all the main characters, all the good guys are in um, pairs. Everybody has their counterpart. Everybody has their friend that they interact with that they have a special type of relationship with and I would explore in a special way. But then um, the main bad guys will be always individualistic. They'll be on their own. So the main crux of Mumujuju was to tell the story about friendship and relationships in uh, as, as, uh, as African a way I could, as I could. So I, uh, that's, that was the main uh, I, uh, goal for Mumujuju. Eventually, <laughs> what African source did you take? Like, what what kind of? Uh, I just, uh, yeah. I just, um, I started off just looking on Google and um, went from there. Um, obviously, Nigeria is already just based on the amount of tribes we have. It was a big enough um, pot to mix, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to specifically pull out because of um, just the way Nigeria is, because of that diversity, people. People will say, oh, it is, um, it, it is Hausa people. I didn't want that. I went mm. in a case where it's just a mixing pot of things that is just like, oh, his shoes are from this angle. He speaks like he wants to be from this place and all these kind of things. Like, and just maybe settings as well, like taking the traditional buildings of this particular region and then making a fantasy. Like... Um, one of the main characters, um, what's his name? Mota. One of, one of the main characters, Mota. Because the two characters, the Mota and the Piston. Um, I, I never thought about having given them real names. I just said, you know what? <laughs> That's what you guys are called. You guys are the Mota and the Piston. And funny enough, I'll tell you a story about like yeah. why those names. Why those names? But, um, yeah, I went, what were we talking about for I got sidetracked because the story, is, the story about that is really good. <laughs> It's, one of the, it's the main reason I wanted to, I came up with the idea for those two characters. Um, but what were we talking about <laughs> before I got sidetracked? No, tell me the story about the two characters. About how okay, they get, okay yeah. so these, these two, Mortar and Piston, so um, you know the tools now, you know the tools for, uh, in, in, uh, for in chemistry and one of those, the whole, the, the two pole and the, the stick you use to crush stuff. Yeah. Even in like for cooking, even for cooking, there's there, people do that traditionally. Sure. But then in Nigeria, we have this thing called pounded yam. We have this thing called pounded yam. 
And to make palladium, we have a big mortar and we have a big piston. And it's a, if you ever see it being made, it's a, it's a, um, if you ever see it being made ceremonially or you know, for just special occasion, it's actually beautiful for where there's this lady or man legit with this big ass stick just hitting at yams in the bowl. And there's this dude there just trying to put water in so it doesn't get too dry. He's just tapping it just before she hits it. So it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of like a dance where the, the, he has to be quick enough to put water in places. And mm. also even, he's also at the same time trying to pull the, the yam off the, off the walls of the mortar. He's also trying to pull the yam off the mortar at the same time. So he's molding it. So she's pound, he's folding it for her. At the same time, let's see why she's hitting it. Not that he's, she's waiting for him to... Mm. Fold it so his hand can get hit if he's um, if he's not quick enough. So it's a, it's a very delicate, it's a very beautiful dance to see. And so just and one day I was craving pounded yam. I said I was on this journey to go get pounded yam. I was like, what if I made superheroes based off pounding of yam? And that's how those two guys came about. That's why the main the pestle uh, the pestle. He has a huge ass um, stick. That's his uh, weapon. That's the reason for his whole huge ass weapon. And then um, for what's his name, the mortar, I I wanted him to be more defensive. So I was like, okay, you. Um, he wouldn't have any like actual weapon, but he's very sturdy because he has to take a beating. <laughs> so so did people realize that this is what you do? I, I I don't I don't I don't let people like I try to let the story just be itself. But then these are the inspirations for the story. Like yeah. um, I want people to read the story and just see the see things happening and just be like, oh, um, let the story be cool on its own. Let the story be cool on its own. And then when you find out that I put in a little work into making them, let it be that much sweeter. Mm. Yeah, because I don't really even bother like telling the only thing I bother about in the comic is like because I, I use um I mix regular English and pigeon as um, our vernacular here. Yeah. So all I do is I try to put like a small um explainer for the for the for the words I use that are not like regular English and even the phrases I try to explain them. So even out of in context, you don't have to so it still reads properly for people yeah. not from the place, but then people that are not from here can understand at least what the direction is going in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the language is, it's a whole, like, it's like English, but then it's, it's just funny because we have, it's broken English, just basically broken English, our own broken English. Yeah. I, I get it. And uh, uh, so have you gotten responses from... Uh, fans or from people who read it uh what kind of response yeah. i got i had really good responses for the for the because i showed it to a couple of people that i considered my seniors and they gave me a lot of good reviews they told me a lot of really nice stuff about like um also pointers on where to go because i also even though i told you that uh, i the, the the main the main two characters are just basically ripped from skull kickers i showed it to him I showed it to oh, yeah. him, um, and he obviously he loved it because obviously he could see where I was coming from, mm. and always trying just trying to make what he's done my own and stuff. He was very was very nice about it, he was, oh. uh, even though you could see the <laughs> very um, I would, even though obviously you know I have I can I can't really defend myself. You know it's 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 like blatant plagiarism. It's like plagiarism, just like saying, "Oh, bro, I'll take your, <laughs> I'll take your characters and make them black." <laughs> I think you realize this, you made your own thing with it because it's a different story. Yeah, I, I think he was um, he was very he was very nice about it. Like, and he could see like what I had done and stuff, so he didn't really mind. It's it's not the same as if you copied Spider Man, for example. It's, uh, you know. well, you know that one would be more hurtful to the, you know. There's a yeah. there's a bigger fan base for that. So it's more or less like, what is he, why, why is he doing that? What was he trying to do there? There's already miles. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Yeah. So, so um, is there something uh, we didn't cover that you wanted uh, you want to talk about or you want to cover? Um, 
I don't know, man. Uh, there's, uh, if I would like to, I, obviously, the one thing I like talking about is obviously arts. I like talking about like the stuff I'm working on right now. Um, so, I'm I'm not even making digital art anymore. Like, I am making digital art, but like I'm shifting slowly into traditional painting again. I'm making canvas paintings. Obviously, I can't show them, but those ones are those are. But I can't talk about them. I can talk about them, but I can't show them. Yeah. Um, so I'm making these really big um, canvas paintings, and they are really cool. They are really cool. They are, I'm I'm having a chance to bring everything I've learned over the years because I've been working professionally for a while. I've been working for at least I think about about ten years. I've been working professionally for about ten years. Mm -hmm. So that time I've I've been able to put um, learn so much so much stuff. So now I'm finally putting everything together and like. You're seeing that because I, I used to be really scared of painting. Like it's um, it's one of the main things that I didn't think I could do. And also like it's confidence-wise, it helps a lot. Like um I used to be really just based on the bad stuff that used to happen, I used to feel like my work wasn't good enough. I used to have that issue where just self-doubt, I would look at myself and be like, bro, um, just talk down to myself. But then I started painting and I started like looking at my work. My friends started talking to me really like about like, bro, can you see what you're doing? Can you like, they really broke down my stuff for me visually. And then just that was enough confidence for me to like build up my, like, I'm like, okay, bro, let's get it. Let's, let's start these paintings properly. Let's, um, you know, let's pursue this art as a, so really stuff as a, cause I started doing like, um, the the stuff that people started talking to me about more was my Intoba stuff. Like I I would just do um I did just a bunch of ideas in my own style based off music. I would draw art based off music and um try to because that's that's the, one of the only mediums I I interact with art like uh, other forms of art I interact with. Obviously, I watch a lot of I'm I'm knee deep in the anime. I'm knee deep in the anime and stuff. But then when I'm working, I'm always playing music. So it's like um, one of the things that I'm interacting with. And it's also very inspirational when I find out like there are these lyrics that somebody is saying something that, you know, you can link to yourself. And he said it in such a strange way that you cannot. Um, he said the, he said something so plain in such a strange way that you cannot um, you cannot imagine it normally. You need to give it some sort of. Um, ethereal feel you need to make it godly or some sort so that's um and then people people started reflecting to that and seeing the otherworldly nature i was trying to push the fantasy nature i was trying to push in my work and the reception has been crazy uh i worked with so many people because of the, um this this kind of work most people come to me because of the style i use where you see you see my work everything not almost nothing touches the ground i make sure that like um um, there's always some sort of element of floating, like things are just not uh, the main elements. I make sure that it's like um, a little bit off the ground, no matter how little, like I, whatever space I can squeeze there, I make it float. That's great. You know, what you said about uh, um, drawing uh, what you get from music reminded me. This is like a small, it's big. A spoiler, so maybe I'll, I'll cut my own part of this out. But in the, <laughs> in the, in the book that I have that's coming out, uh, oh, yeah. um, I have a blind person who uh, who gets to who writes because in the dream something science fiction happens, fantasy happens, and in the dream she can see colors. So she wakes up not remembering the dream, but she's she's a singer and. So she's been blind from birth, but she has a whole record about how she feels about colors, how she experiences colors. So she has a song called Blue and a song called Green and, so, and stuff like that. Um, and it would be crazy because her own interpretation of um, greens and blues or whatever she is calling blue yeah. would be crazy because it's she's not seeing colors the way we do. She's not seeing colors... Um, She's she never seen it, light. Um, yeah, she's never seen light. She's you get me? So she's, she, she's interpreting it in a whole different way. I feel mm -hmm. like that's 
that's a beautiful way to interact with the world. That's a beautiful way to interact with the world, man. Bro, do you want to talk about your book? Because I think that that sounds really cool. <laughs> that um, sounds really cool. Like, uh, well, oh, you spoilers, the spoilers, the spoilers. Spoilers, oh, spoilers. Wow. So I try, like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm yeah. always happy to tell uh, about it. I've, it's a story about uh, a girl who lives, you know, she was born somehow in the dream, not on earth like us. And someone finds her and dream in his dream and, and imagines that he is her father, just a small, tiny baby. And he <laughs> raises her in his dreams. And this is her life story. Like, it's going to be many books. And what I told you is in the second book. Uh, so he raises well, her in his dream. I'm sorry to cut you off. What's the first one called? The first one is called uh, The Forgotten Girl. It's about to come out, like, in a few months. Uh, and and then every book is for like three years of her life. So so the first book is at age six when she and her father find out they're actually in a dream, and he finds out she he has a daughter in the dream. So she finds a way out of the dream and runs away from home and finds other dreams, and the whole big thing happens. Oh man, bro, and, I love to see how you play that together because it sounds crazy. It is it crazy. absolutely crazy because no, no, yeah. she's. She's in a she's in a problem where she has to what's the she she has to back, grapple with her own reality of like what's real and what's fake you know being birthed in a dream you know yeah. and for years thinking this man is your father when he isn't and also she's been they've been living a life of adventure because that's what the dreams about so they've been living a life of swashbuckling adventures with a flying pirate <laughs> ship. And then she goes out where she can't get hurt and she always wins and every dream can hurt her, you know. It's not, uh, she doesn't have plot armor. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and uh, dragons and, and other stuff. And then uh, I have a book for every three years of her life. So the first book is age six and then the next book she's nine, the next book she's 12, 15, 18 and so on. So it tells the story of, um, let's say the first one tells the story from nine, from, from three to six. No, no. the first book is just like three days when she's six years old. But I thought, yeah, but I thought it wasn't enough because it's based on my uh, girls. Uh, it's a story you have my daughters? Story. I have three girls. And, oh, man, that's so, that's so amazing, bro. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank my you. brothers, uh, my brothers, this, I have a brother. He has four girls. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's crazy, man. Like, More power to you, man. You're doing you. a lot of work. And they're all super <laughs> strong. They're all super strong, very individualistic, very, you know, they know what they want. And so I created a character about How old are they? Sorry, I, I just keep getting into yes, good, good. You know? how, how, how old are they? How old am I? Are they? Oh, yeah. Uh, five, uh, nine, and 11. Oh, that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. I'm not very good at ages of my own nieces or nephews, but I think they're about the same. They're about the same yeah. age frame. They're about the same age frame. Maybe one is about um, fourteen, but then that's yeah. yeah they're, they're just I've been worried about the teenage years from the day they were born. So I'm, it's gonna <laughs> come. It's gonna come. Anyway, I'll just finish telling yeah, you yeah. The, the concept. The concept thing is that it wasn't enough for me because I really wanted to cover the entire life. So what I did was I created a podcast called the Squash Butler Diaries podcast about stuff oh. that happens between the books. It comes out daily. Uh, just okay, about the adventure, a life in the dream. So there are like 400 episodes of what happens to between ages two and six. And then there's the book. And then there are going to be 350, 400 more episodes between ages six and nine. And then there's the other book. And I so think that's actually really cool. Go that's actually really cool life. that we get to hear the stories. We get to hear the stories. Um, the swashbuckling. We get to hear the swashbuckling yes. on the side. And then the main stories are very... Um, I'm, I'm guessing, guessing they're going to be very grounded in, in the real world. But then well, just the, having the these callbacks to the episodes or whatever happens should be really cool. Yeah, it's it's one is life and it has adventures in it. And the big books have the big adventures in them. So one yeah, is life in a dream. Yeah, because yeah, obviously life is an adventure, but, right. you know, it's very hard to swashbuckle. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> and uh, anyway, yeah, thank bro. You. So if you want, I can send you the link for the Squashbuckler Diaries. It's, it's really nice. I think you like it. Please do. Please do. Okay. 
Anyway, I just got September in 2009. Actually, I'm I'm very enthusiastic and I love um, the. I just love I love when people talk about like crazy ideas like this because part of my part of the work of being creative is coming up with crazy ideas. They give you problems to solve creatively. Sure. So um, I think that's one of the, that's one reason I really like my work. It's the idea of where somebody says, "Oh, we want to do something that is." Um, that call back to the, to the past, but somewhat in the future. That's 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 something very that's that's something very strange to tell somebody to do. Where you have to find a way to link the past and the future together. Because for us, when we talk about past and future, you're talking about like um, the you could talk about, you could talk about the Middle Ages, and you could be talking about future, um, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So how do you merge sci-fi with the past and whatnot now? It's just like, it's just um, it's a fun. It's always fun to experiment with stuff like that. And feelings again. How do you express somebody? How do you depict um, situations or feelings? You know, it's uh, it's not easy to do that. Create, solve creative problems. It's not easy to solve creative problems. So yeah, and it's, it's always you know, it's what I love also in, in in writing. You know, you get the original concept, the idea you had, but then you have to write the story specific to that idea. You have to solve the story that is the best for that. Feeling to get to honestly, that. I have to give you pause for that too because you have to, you have to you specifically you to writing writing stories you have to tell people what's interesting and you can't just outrightly give them exposition you can't just outrightly just be dumping the thing you have yeah. to make the story interesting and which is the hard part which part of the reason one one of the many reasons I I decided not I stopped coming because it was getting serious I had to really start serious writing and bro. I'm no writer. <laughs> like it needed when I realized how much work was necessary to write a comic. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not equipped. If anything, if I'm going to do anything, I would like yeah. to. I would like it to be done properly. Like, even though you can always, you know, like um, my favorite manga series. I don't know if you you're into One Piece. Uh no, I don't know that one. No. Um, it's One Piece. It's, one Piece is like the biggest, one of the biggest. Um, it is the biggest. I don't want to brag. It yeah. is the biggest, like manga. It's the biggest selling manga. It just outsold Batman. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty huge. But not a lot of people read it because it's a lot of volumes. It has like a thousand chapters of this one long tale. Wow. Yeah. So it's. I don't blame anybody for not getting into it. Wait, and it's but one long story. It is one long story. Wow. One long story. That's I'm going to have to read that now. Yes, <laughs> is is bro. It's and I it's kind of an immense task asking somebody to get on that kind of thing. I just like bro, don't worry. It's a good story, but I wouldn't ask anybody to stress themselves and say, guy, because obviously it's it's this um, the artist and the author. You know how mangas are written now. There's the same the same artist and the author and the same at the same time. Yeah. Is he he. He started off just experimenting. And so you could see the experimentation in that um, beginning portion. And when he started hitting his strides with um, linking, linking um, events and having this whole world that he's built, got crazy. It got really crazy because we as the fans, we have so many plot threads to follow. Mm-hmm. We have so many plot threads to follow. And we're just there like, yeah, bro. I love it. I love it. Keep giving us more. <laughs> like it's wow. a really built. It's the, the story is what I love about the story is the world is so well built. Like there's you have politics that affects obviously our main story, but then it's it is really built in a way where the politics is on the side. You get me? But you're very conscious of that. Oh, my main um, the main character Luffy. You're very conscious of that. Like this stuff he's doing. The government is not going to like it. What he's doing right now, the government is not going to like it. And they're going to do some laws because of his activities. The government has actually changed laws. They've repealed laws and said, "Oh, yeah, change no more of this." <laughs> so it's actually really cool. It's a very good story. That's good. I'm going to. Yeah, you gave me now a really long task to to do. I'm going to. It's check a it very arduous task. It's very arduous. Right? I'm asking you to read a thousand chapters. <laughs> That's okay, but you know what? It really intrigues me because. There are almost no, well, of the kind I'm trying to tell, I haven't heard of any kind of story like that that actually gives you an entire, like, say she gets to be 70 or 80, 
you, you can go for a book for every three years of your life and five, 400, 300 chapters, uh, tiny stories about in the middle. So I'm really looking for other people who did stuff like that to get inspiration for them, to get technique from them about how, how they did it. Um, and it's really, if you can, it's, it's a really good read. It's a really good read because even apart from anything, even in terms of time, there's also time, like the timeline, like we can see people, there's actually a, there's history, there's yeah. history to the world. And there's also this thing, what that, um, there's growth, I think there's this point in the story where they take two years off, like not, not um, in giving us stories, but the characters themselves take two years off. So okay. you can imagine a story where they even have the liberty to say, we're taking two years off. And we take a time skip. And when we come back, we'll continue from that point. And it's, man, bro, I cannot, obviously, I always, I always give one piece with the caveat that like, it's an arduous, it's just, it's too much to read for some, for regular people. But if you have, if you have, uh, I have a friend who recently, obviously there's always the anime. There's always the anime. Oh, I have a friend okay. who recently, who, who recently went to the whole anime, who went to yeah. the whole anime, and I was just like, obviously, just for her doing that alone, I look at her with a different level of um, friendship. You know, she's, <laughs> she's just like, now we can talk about something that's so integral to me. We can talk about something that's so, that I love mm-hmm. so much. And obviously, she enjoyed the story as well. So we just, we just geek out. That's my geek out moment. If you catch me anywhere, and you just bring up one piece, I'm in it. I'm... <laughs> We're bringing up conspiracies. That's how that's how good the story is. There are conspiracy theories about the way things are happening. Well, of course, they would have to be. <laughs> they have to be. Yes. Yeah, man. And funny enough, guess what? It's about pirates. Swashbuckling. Ah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're back again. We're back to this task again. Swashbuckling. Yes. Eventually, the oh, man, bro. Yes. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah. um, I don't know what else. Um, I don't know, man. I think we've this has been a very beautiful discussion. It has absolutely, absolutely beautiful discussion. Absolutely, a lot of fun. Great, yeah, listen. Man. It was it was a really fun conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to you. And Bro, same. Go um, ahead. Do take care. You too. Thank you so much to Etubi Nuchayo. If you want to find out more about Etubi. Links in the show notes. We have the art station, the Twitter, the imprint. Uh, you can find a lot of his art there and you can talk, get to him through Twitter. His art is fantastic. And next time, because there's always a next time, uh, we go to another place, to another place on the quilt, another person on the quilt, to an unusual cosplay experience. So come back for that. Geekdom Empowers releases three episodes a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Email me for any reason, guy.hasson, that's H-A-S-S-O-N, at geekdomempowers.com. The website is geekdomempowers.com on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We are at Geekdom Empowers. My name is Guy Hasson, and if you want to check out my other podcast, the Squash Bucklehead Diaries podcast, it's a daily Epic fantasy podcast that tells the story in a very experimental uh, way. I'm doing something completely new. So feel free to check that out. So for now, I will see you next time. And for now, have an empowered day.